Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The death of Old Crohanman cannot have been sudden or unexpected. Around 2,300 years ago, something had gone wrong in the local community he ruled over as king. According to the most convincing theory that explains his brutal death, the community had grown desperate after a disaster of one kind or another. It may have been beyond Old Crohanman's control, a crop failure resulting in famine or perhaps an outbreak of disease. Alternatively, it may have resulted from an ill-conceived decision on his part such as an attack on a neighbouring kingdom that ended in defeat. One way or another, Old Crohanman, as king, had failed in what was expected of him by his people. He had not protected them. In what was a different time, tradition and custom dictated he should be sacrificed to the gods in the hope this would help improve the fortunes of his people. Based on his diet in the preceding months, we know it was on a winter's day when he was brought into a bog in the shade of Crohan Hill. There, perhaps surrounded by the very people he had known since he was a boy and had led as a king, he was brutally murdered. He was stabbed through the heart and mutilated in various ways. His torso was then dumped in the bog, his head and legs were removed elsewhere. However, his life didn't end there. 2,300 years after his death, in 2020, as the current community living in the shade of Crohan Hill faces another crisis, they are turning to this long-dead king, for possible solutions. While one crisis led to his death, another is leading to a rebirth of sorts. This is The Road to Old Crohan, an Irish Mystery, Episode 6, An Afterlife. This series was written, researched and narrated by myself, Finn Dwyer. The series is based on additional research by Damien Lawler and Miriam Ryan. Sound is by Jason Looney and this series artwork is by Keith Hines. In this final episode of the series, I want to thank everyone who has supported my work at Patreon or through my website. The series would not have been possible without you. I'm deeply grateful. Finally, thanks to you for tuning in to the series and don't forget to subscribe to the show. Old Crohanman is the most unusual of figures. While his past is rooted in what is now a forgotten crisis back in the Iron Age, his future, or at least how he would be remembered in the community where he once lived is rooted in the most contemporary of crises, 
the story of one Irish parish and how they are dealing with climate change in the 21st century. Through the later half of the 20th century, vast tracts of bogs around the Midlands of Ireland were harvested on an industrial scale. Millions of tonnes of peat were excavated and used in local power stations, burned in homes for heat and used to create by-products such as horticultural manure. As we have heard throughout the series, this industrialisation has had a huge impact on the Midlands. It provided good jobs in an area that had previously struggled economically. It quickly became the centre of life in places like Crohan. Brendan Swan, for example, who runs the Bordnamona factory at Beliver County Meath, where Clony Cavanman, another famous Iron Age body, was discovered, explains this well. Oh, it's, it was part of the, the, whole, the whole social fabric of, of Ireland for the last 50 years, you know. And uh, there was families reared and died on Bordnamona and the bogs. So there was, you know, every person who grew up in the Midlands of Ireland certainly would have spent, if they didn't spend a day or a week in the bog or a couple of years, you couldn't really say they had come from the Midlands of Ireland because I don't think there's ever a person that hadn't have spent some stage of their life in a bog, whether it be only for a day or an evening. While only a handful work in Brandon's factory, it does have a huge impact in his community. Directly, like, I mean, out of 10 employees here, but... It's the knock-on the whole way. Like, we have a local haulier who, who hauls all the containers from here to Dublin Port, and he's got something like 10 guys employed. So, like, it keeps going on down the line. Like, it goes down to your to your small corner shop at the end of the day, you know, and the amount of revenue. And it's not just economic benefits. In the early 1980s, Offaly, where Crohan was situated, enjoyed great success in Gaelic football. They appeared in two consecutive All-Ireland finals, winning the second in 1982. The fact that young men could find work in the area and didn't have to emigrate played no small part in this success. Miriam Ryan, who lives in Cron, talked about how their sporting successes was linked to the bogs. There was a recent documentary about Offaly's uh, Gaelic success in the 80s, which part of it was credited with the employment that was in the area to, to sort of hold the population, and in particular the, the young male population, that these lads weren't away on, you know, they weren't across the water, they weren't even in Dublin having to come home for training, that they had the expectation of employment locally and they were available then for other aspects of community life, like like the, 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 the GA, but, but lots of other aspects too. However, Offaly, and indeed the entire Midlands, is now facing a severe crisis. The peat extraction, long central to life in the area, is coming to an end very soon. It has to, if Ireland is to lower greenhouse gas emissions and play its part in averting the worst impacts of climate change. Naturally, however, these are very worrying times for this community. It's not just about the loss of jobs, but as the Crohan native, Damien Lawler, fears, the social impact on the community could be catastrophic. Damien is a history teacher, but also coaches athletes, and having travelled to international race meetings, he has seen other communities devastated by similar changes and fears this may be what lies ahead for Crohan. I've travelled quite a bit with the athletics in sort of central England or northern England and into Wales and stuff in the last 10 years. And when you go to places like Wales or you travel up around Sheffield and Leeds and places like that, we, like I, I go to a lot of um, indoor track meets in, in those areas and you find communities which are still struggling to, to, to survive what happened in the 1980s. Um, like the Thatcher government brought coal extraction to an end at a, at a dramatic level because they feared not environmental destruction, they feared the strength of organised um, trade unions in, in those areas. But 
what's happening to us is like it's happening for a different reason, but it's going to have the same effect. And when you know, when I've as I've travelled around, um, say Sheffield in particular, the like guy was quite shocked by the levels of poverty that you would find in what were quite you know like if you go back to the the fifties, sixties, seventies, was quite a prosperous area. Like the idea of Sheffield Steel and you know Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday. You know, it, you have to have wealth to be able to sponsor two big, massive football clubs like that. And now, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're in the city centre in Sheffield, it's actually really nice. And there's some really nice restaurants and the hotels have said and over the years are really nice and everything else. But within a mile, half a mile of those city centres, you, you know, you, you see a lot of poverty and stuff like that. And you wonder, you know, it, w- will the same thing happen to towns around the Midlands? Because the the multiplier effect that would have come from the ESB and... The board of money. So if they, you know, if they were paying out wages that were maybe worth 10 million a year, but all of that money spins around the economy. So every mechanic, every shop, every barbers and all of that, they have to, they rely on, on, on the economic benefits from that. And, and if that stops now very suddenly, you know, I, I don't think people, I think people have some sort of idea of what's going to happen, but I, I think it's a much, much bigger thing because people aren't making the calculations of, you know, you know, the difference that, that those wages make in places like Aldi or places like Dunn stores every week. You know, the regular incomes coming into those houses, people spend that money then. Car dealerships, you, you know, like, like these are the sort of purchases that aren't going to be made if, if people don't have those, what are essentially state jobs anymore. At this point, you might be struggling to see what this very recent and profoundly modern crisis has to do with the body of Or Crohan Man, who died 2,300 years ago. Where does he and his history fit in? Well, it's no surprise that people in communities across the Midlands are looking to adapt to the changing world around them. In Crohan, Damien Lawler and Miriam Ryan see the history and the story of Old Crohan Man as central to building or rebuilding a new economy in the area, one suited for the 21st century. So Old Crohan Man is now being turned to again in the hope that he can lead his community through a very uncertain future. Having become fascinated in his story and being drawn into the remarkable history of their area, Damien and Miriam now believe his story can help bring people to an area which, while spectacular, is pretty forgotten about. I'd, I'd like that, you know, as a community, that we find some way of commemorating the old Croton man and the, the, the people who lived here for t- thousands of years. Okay, We've got old Croton man, we have a passage grave, we have... Um, the site in Ballybeg, and all of this taken together is is quite a significant archaeological and historical legacy for the area itself. You know, if we can harvest rotted vegetation and make an industry out of that, there should be a way that you could take that legacy, that history, and bring it together in a way that can keep people interested in history, but it can also bring in viable economic aspects for the community. To this end, they have started walking tours that are a short hike bringing people to the places mentioned in this podcast where Old Crohan Man was inaugurated as king and where he died. It's the very definition of living history. So we begin by by climbing up the hill. We can we can see from the top of the hill, we can see the, the passage tomb that's there, that the peak of that hill would have been the inauguration site. So if it is true that Old Crohan Man was an ancient king, this would have been the site of his inauguration. So you can you can stand there and you can imagine what what happened, how the people gathered, 
um, how he was brought up and acclaimed and, and I suppose anointed in his, in his new role. And then you can, you make your way down to the site where the body was found and it, 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 it takes a little while to walk. Um, it's along some very nice country roads, um, down through some lanes and into the bog. And you can stand, um, close enough to where he was found and you can look back up on the hill where he was inaugurated and you can, you can really imagine yourself into the story. But it's not all just about Crohan, as Miriam explains. This is a story linked to places and events far beyond this rural area. When we started, I um, possibly naively thought that we were telling a sort of a local story about a, a local person, albeit back in, in antiquity. But um, what we discovered was in order to tell that story, you have to look at the wider Iron Age society. You have to look at the way in which um, things would have evolved. The tour they describe is at times hard to define. While Damien and Miriam hope to celebrate O'Crohan Man in his native place by relating to events that took place there over 2,000 years ago, it also reveals something I've kind of struggled with when making this series, and that's the unique way people in Crohan blur the lines of history. They weave a beautiful story and seamlessly glide between the world O'Crohan Man lived in and the present day. Damien describes this well here. Just before you get to that sort of a, a peak area of the hill itself, you have um, a graveyard and that graveyard is located on the side of the hill. And it's not the only graveyard. There's actually a graveyard, a medieval graveyard, which is the far side of the hill. It's, it's much further down. But you, you, have, the, you, you have this idea of um, religious importance um, continuing from, two, you know, from someplace between 4000 BC right up to, to modern day. So, you know, over over six thousand years, maybe you you have you know thing I, or you have areas of religious significance. Whether Orkrohanman helps his community through what are unquestionably difficult days ahead remains to be seen. But you can make your judgment by visiting Crohan. You can find out more about Damien and Miriam's tours at crohan.eventbrite.com. That's Crohan spelled C R O G H A N dot eventbrite.com. Whilst the local impact this long-dead king will have on his community is still being shaped over 2,000 years after his death, his legacy outside Crohan is far beyond anything he could ever have envisaged. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In his final moments, as he was led through the bog and looked at Crohan Hill for the last time, the place where he had been inaugurated as king, I can't help but wonder, did he have that very human thought and think about how he would be remembered? Given the death that lay ahead of him, he cannot have expected much on this front. The evidence suggests he was viewed with contempt or failure by his community. And it would appear he was forgotten and quickly faded into obscurity in the bog and perhaps was remembered as little more than a man who had brought misfortune onto his people. Over time, everyone from his community, and indeed everyone who had ever heard his name, was too forgotten. Their deeds, good or bad, were lost as new histories were forged by later generations. By the 20th century, not one single name of anyone who lived at the time of Old Crohan Man in Ireland has survived. Indeed, the same can be said for most people anywhere in the world. We have to turn to individuals like Alexander the Great or the Carthaginian general Hannibal, who battled his Roman nemesis Scipio Africanus, to find individuals who might be known beyond the corridors of history departments in universities. However, in 2020, against the odds, Orkrohan Man has emerged from the bog and obscurity. He seems set to become one of the most famous figures in Irish prehistory, indeed perhaps one of the most famous individuals of his time in northwestern Europe. While his importance was inevitably going to gain traction in archaeological circles, it has spread far beyond this. This is largely due to the National Museum of Ireland, whose Kingship and Sacrifice exhibition not only tells his story, but also allows you to visit his remains, which are on display in the museum on Kildare Street in Dublin. Something which I've always liked about the museum display is that it's in sharp contrast to Old Crohan Man's final hours in the Iron Age. Huge care, consideration and attention has been afforded to him in his current resting place. Back in the mid-2000s, as the Bog Bodies research project in the museum concluded their investigations, focus shifted to how he would be displayed for the public. Firstly, samples were taken from his body for use in the future if scientific developments enabled further analysis. Isabella Mulhall, who led the Bog Bodies research project, now explains this. But we were advised at the time by the many specialists involved that we should bank some samples for use by future researchers. So we were aware that we didn't have all the answers and that science is an ever-evolving subject. So uh, we took samples, we took a select samples of different parts of the body, the skin, the lungs, the tendons and so forth, the intestines. And these were banked and they're now being curated in the conservation department of the National Museum. And these will be used by future researchers to carry out whatever analysis may come about in future years. Then Old Crohan Man underwent conservation that would preserve the body on a permanent basis. The final phase was then the conservation phase. So when all the assessments had been carried out and when the remains had been recorded completely, we carried out the conservation phase. The remains were firstly immersed in polyethylene glycol for several weeks before then being freeze-dried. So this was very successful and replicated conservation practices that were carried out elsewhere, for example, with Lindoman in the British Museum, which was carried out in the mid-1980s. This allowed the National Museum to make Old Crohan Man accessible to all of us. Since its inception, the Bog Bodies Research Project had always been cognizant that Old Crohan Man, while of great historical and archaeological importance, was also the remains of a human being and therefore required sensitivity and respect as any human body would. 
Isabella now explains how Orkrohan Man lies in a specially constructed exhibition alongside three other bog bodies, Clorney Cavan Man, who we've met on several occasions throughout the series, Barnstown West Man, who was found in 1953, and Gala Man, who was found in 1821. In order to display the remains in a very meaningful, sensitive and dignified way, it was decided, along with the exhibition planners from the OPW, that we would construct four circular enclosures and the remains are encased within these enclosures. So the visitor can call to the museum, read all the information about the scientific investigations and then choose whether or not to view the remains. So as I said, the four enclosures are entered by a downward sloping passageway leading into the uh, encased remains. And there are no text panels or no interactive panels within the enclosures. The space is very calm. The lighting is subdued. There are very restful colours used and the overall simplicity of design, I suppose, lends itself then to the reverence and sensitivity that is afforded to these individuals. It's a very calm setting for these remains and, and that's only right. Despite having spent months researching the case, I still find it remarkable that 2,300 years after his death, we can visit Orkrohan Man in the National Museum on Kildare Street in Dublin city centre, and he still looks as if he died very recently. It's an enduring legacy. This brings an end to this account of his story, or at least this chapter in his story. I have no doubt in coming years and decades, scientific advancements would unlock further detail about his life. One thing for certain is that Old Crohanman will endure as he always has long after we're gone. To conclude, I'd like to say that this series has only touched on parts of his story. There's so much more to his life that is enthralling and mesmerising. I've found it addictive. Indeed, what began as a one-off episode quickly became a six-month project to make this series. I'd highly recommend delving into this story yourself. Visit Old Crohanman in the National Museum. Travel to Cron and take the tour with Damien and Miriam and see the places that were so important to him. It's one of the few chances we have to relate to the distant past that at times can seem so remote. Thanks for listening to The Road to Old Crohan. It was created and written by myself, Finn DeWire. Sound was by Jason Looney. The artwork was by Keith Hines. Additional research for the series was by Damien Lawler and Miriam Ryan. The series was only possible because of the interviewees' generosity with their time and I'd like to thank in alphabetical order Miranda Aldhouse-Green, Kevin Barry, Mary Cassidy, Eamon Kelly, Eamon Lawler, Damien Lawler, Cathy Moore, Isabella Mulhall, Miriam Ryan, Vinan van der Zanden, Tom Scully and Brendan Swan. Finally, I would like to thank Ruth Dwyer and Nebo Mara for their feedback. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.